Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Georgia, we have King Randall on the phone. King is the son of a famous law enforcement officer. I'll explain in a few moments. And he's also got a pretty nifty outfit program going on in Albany, Georgia, called the X for Boys. King, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Show. Very much appreciated. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Absolutely. I'm definitely ecstatic. Oh, it's good to have you on. You're doing some great things with your program, and I can't wait to talk about that. How about this? Before we get into the conversation about growing up in a law enforcement family, your dad, and, and what you're doing, tell us about the X for Boys. What is that all about? All right, so the X for Boys is an organization here in Albany, Georgia, um, where I'm teaching young men ages 11 to 17 on how to do skill trades, um, such as automotive repair, changing oil, changing brakes, and also uh, doing um, home renovation, like painting, um, doing door frames, putting up light fixtures, uh, et cetera. So I'm teaching the boys these things to get them out of the idea that they can't do anything at their age, that they can get into something else and give them the opportunity to think about expanding their horizons while growing up and doing something other than maybe uh, getting into selling drugs or getting into gangs or things like that. Because where I live in Albany, Georgia, our crime rate is one of the highest in the nation. And we're also, uh, at one point, we were the fourth poorest city in the nation. So I'm just doing this program for our boys because many of the murders that are happening in our city are being committed by teenagers and young adults. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we're giving our boys an opportunity to do something instead of just being mad at them and, not, and telling them what they should be doing. And I'm just giving them an opportunity to do something. Where can people get more information? Um, we can get more information at the org. With all types of programs, especially anything that's like nonprofit related, uh, fundraising is always an issue. Can people make donations right through your website? Yes, sir. Everything's on the website. You can follow me on social media um, through there as well. You'll be able to see all of our pictures, our videos, et cetera. You'll be able to see everything through the website. By the way, my hat's off to you. It's it's an ambitious project, but one is sorely needed. And the first thing that came to my mind 
is that I grew up in an area where dad said, hold the flashlight when worked in the car. And he'd teach me. Uh, he taught me how to do things like change a tire, work on the brakes. Because back then, honestly, we couldn't afford mechanics. Everything was like on a budget. It was tight all the time. We had to do everything ourselves. Construction, painting, mechanical stuff. All the things you talked about were taught to me by my father. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always say, not always in the most pleasant way either. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. It's a little tough love, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, the joke is, you know, we'd hold up a piece of wood. He goes, oh, I got to go get some. Don't let it move. We'd come back and it moved a little bit. You're like, oh, my goodness, you get chewed out. But that, right, was yes, such a, that was such an important part of growing up. Without being heavy-duty psychological, having that influence from my father in particular, and he was a Navy guy. He was gone a lot. So when he was home, we spent time working together. And like I said, we were poor, just like a lot of folks, so we did everything ourselves, but I think that helped shape me into the guy I am today. Right, yes, sir, absolutely. So you guys are doing basically the same thing. Right, yes, sir. Um, so many of uh, our boys here are being raised by single moms um, more often um, than anything, and so it, just about every child I have in a program is, is with a single mom. So this is where I step in and try to be a father figure and as well as a mentor um, to teach them the things that, you know, dad should have taught while they were growing up, as well as taking, taking them on field trips and things like that, trying to go see the world and go see um, other things other than Albany. Um, because most children here, uh, I even know children my age, um, well, I ain't going to say children, but <laughs> adults my age, uh, 21, 22, and they've never traveled outside of the city limits of Albany. Um, so I'll take, taking the boys to go see the beach and to see the ocean is big and they'll drive, we'll drive up to Atlanta or something and they'll take pictures of buildings because they've never seen big buildings before, you know, so it's just giving them a different experience because it makes them want to be a different person. They're able to see other things other than, you know, just things going on in our city. So I just kind of want to give them an experience that they may not um, be able to get, you know, with just their mom and all of their siblings and their parents are working and things like that. So I just want to make the experience better for them while they're growing up. Excellent. And by the way, I encountered so many young people I worked with in the communities where I worked in Baltimore that they had never been beyond eight to ten blocks. Maybe the biggest excursion was going downtown Baltimore one time, and that was it. They never right. the, the world became very small for these people. Right, absolutely. And if all you see is crime and violence and, and slinging drugs and, and guns and everything else, man, it's hard to combat that if there's no other outside influences whatsoever. Right, absolutely. And I definitely feel like if we step in, you know, as men of the community and take on a child that may not be ours, because I feel like every child um, should have a man that's responsible for them. And I feel like every man should be responsible for a child that's not his. Um, at least somebody's child, um, especially if we're going to be a village, you know, raising our community, especially when we know that there are many children out here with no fathers. Um, so I definitely feel like, you know, having a male presence in their life makes a big difference um, because most, if not a big majority of people that are committing these crimes, et cetera, you ask them about their family um, life and their childhood. Most of them did have single moms, you know, in the, especially in the black community. And our boys just fall by the wayside and and so we just have we just have that dilemma right now. And so that's, you know, them going to gangs and uh, drugs, et cetera, is because, I mean, that's the only thing they had to look up to. They had they saw the guys with the gold chains and the nice cars with the rims on them. 
you know, riding down the road and is glorified in rap and you don't see anything else. So you're just like, well, I want to be that when I grow up. You know, I want to be just like him. I want to have gold chains and all the girls, et cetera. So that's all they got a chance to see. You know, so I definitely feel like the boys need definitely more experience and experience in other cultures and seeing other people that look like them that are successful. And there are plenty. I don't want to get into that conversation because it's so easy to stereotype people. And I'll be honest with you, King, I cannot stand when people stereotype groups by race, ethnicity, or whatever because it diminishes the accomplishments of so many people. By the way, how old of a guy are you? I'm 21 years old. That's, that's awfully young to be doing this. At 21, man, I'll be honest with you. I, I was a young policeman in the academy. I thought I knew what was going on. I really didn't have a clue, King. I had so much more to learn. Uh, but my priorities at 21 certainly were not teaching and molding uh, young boys to be men. My priorities were, were chasing women. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I got married um, immediately out of high school um, to my high school sweetheart. We've been together uh, since the 10th grade. And um, we had a child probably, I'll say a about almost a year and a half in two years not sure but baby king he's um almost two years old now but um i got married immediately out of high school during the course of that time i just had to stay focused on you know working and things like that and i actually started the program right after i lost my job because i always said that i want to work with the youth and train our replacements because i feel like a lot of our leaders and civil rights leaders and things like that didn't train any major replacements so when they die their dreams die along with them check out our facebook page do a search on facebook for law enforcement today radio show when you get there Click like and follow. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're talking with King Randall. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today show is brought to you by Mr. James Mather from Synergy Financial. When it comes to financial matters, trust is hugely important. As a former law enforcement officer, James Mather will always have your back. For free information about insurance, retirement, college funding strategies, and more, go online to mrjamesmather.com, spelled M-R-J-A-M-E-S. M-A-T-H-E-R dot com. Again, that's Mr. James Mather dot com. 
Back to our conversation with King Randall on the Law Enforcement Today show. King, a young man, 21 years old, got a great program called The X for Boys. Check them out online, thexforboys.org, also on social media as well, helping mold young men out of teenagers. You grew up in a law enforcement family, correct? Right, yes, sir. My mom married uh, Detective Andre Hardaway when I was about 14 years old. So that's where I started uh my life with a law, as a law enforcement child, uh, the son of a police policeman. So it's been an interesting journey with him, and it's been the most beautiful thing um, I could ever imagine. Actually, the greatest father I've ever had. He's also a bit of a celebrity. He's on television, isn't he? Yep, uh, Detective Hardaway in DeKalb County's First Forty Eight. And has he been on there often, or just one or two episodes? Uh, he he used to get on there often, but he doesn't get on there as often as he used to. But he people still know him when they see him. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet if he's like most police I know. <laughs> At first, it was yep. like quite an honor and privilege to be on a show. Then after a while, I was like, look, man, don't even talk to me about it. I'm, I'm just a guy doing yeah. my job. <laughs> right. So what does he do uh, in DeKalb County? Uh, well, he's a detective there, um, so he covers um, like murders and things like that. So he tries to make sure, you know, um, getting cases solved. And he also works alongside the FBI um, there as well. Um, but mostly he's just uh, working cases all the time. Cases, 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 loads of cases. So, yeah. And he, he rarely like patrols. He'll do, uh, you know, raids and things like that. But he's mostly just on cases, you know, uh, questioning people, et cetera. So. Well, one of the things that we always advocate is policing, uniform policing, whether it be a sheriff's department, police department, on the street, driving a radio car is a young person's occupation because it's rough. It's really rough. And there's a lot lot of injuries. And it's not always from what people think. It's not always gunfights and and fist fights and all that stuff. They do occur. But most of it is foot pursuits, spraining an ankle, car accidents, rescuing people from burning houses, smoke inhalation, all that sort of stuff. Then you get older, uh, you you tend to gravitate towards a detective job where it's less hands-on and more of a brain position. And that sounds like where your dad is at. Right, absolutely. He started off, of course, you know, as a regular officer and then he graduated to becoming the detective. So, and he came into your life, well, your mom and he got married when you were 14. So, I imagine they were together a little bit before that as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so I'll put this together. So, my mom and him got married, I think, about two to three months after um, they met. I remember the day, um, now my wife and I have been together, um, like, uh, for the full time longer than they have. I remember the day she called us. And she first met him. Um, the day she met him, she called us and she said, he's the one. Um, I definitely know it. Uh, he's gorgeous. I remember this their little love story. And they've been together ever since then. It's like well, watching their marriage is, is just the most beautiful thing for me and my wife um, because they've just, you know, been in love and they're, they've gotten to know each other as time has went on. But after like two or three months, he came to me and he, he actually asked me, could, I ma- could he marry my mom? And I was like, yep, you definitely can, because I love him to death. Um, So they've been together ever since I started high school. 
if I ever had a chance to interview your father, I'm going to make sure I make a special point to say, oh, she said you were gorgeous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. That was her exact word. <laughs> well, I, I'm not yep. surprised that they met and uh, got married so rapidly. A lot of times with police, you become very good at judging people and, and judging whether they are sincere or not. And I'm sure he sensed that about her and she sensed it about him as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, 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 it's like looking at the way they got married and how fast it was. It was just, it was so beautiful to see. They got married in my grandma's living room because my grandmother is a preacher. Um, so she married them right there in her living room. <laughs> of course, they had a wedding probably about three years later. Um, but they got married like very quickly. They were like, nope, this is it. <laughs> we're not waiting. <laughs> well, make sure you tell him and everybody in your family, I said, thank you for their service. Because the whole family serves. You know this as well as anybody because the first part of your life, you didn't grow up in a law enforcement family. And all of a sudden, uh, your mom married this man who is a law enforcement officer, and I'm sure your entire world changed to some degree. Right, absolutely. I just, um, you know, began to see um, how it is, you know, firsthand, you know, uh, dealing with so many deaths. And, of course, growing up, you know, I'm just like, man, so many of us are dying, like like a lot, like every day is, is something, you know, with especially in our community, and, you know, we'll allow excuse me, the media to tell us, you know, what's the most important issue in our community. And I'm just like, man, I grew up in a law enforcement home, like from high school. And that's not our biggest issue. You know, police brutality, quote unquote, is not our biggest issue. Uh, I think uh, we are being our biggest issue in the black community, especially with, you know, the rate of our murders and, and, and uh, violent crimes against each other is it's just, you know, saddening and breaks my heart. And that's another reason I go so hard for the children in my program. It shouldn't surprise people, but it does, that if you're going to be victimized by a violent crime, it's usually from someone you know, and it's usually someone right. from your own racial group, the group of people you hang around with, and or quite often, it's a family member. Your dad knows this. When we have homicides, the very first thing we would do is you look at family members first and then work your way out as evidence proves or disproves who's involved. So right. the fact that, you said what you said about the news media trying to tell you it's one issue, but it's something totally different. It's not surprising to me, but it seems to be a shock to a lot of America. Right, absolutely. And what happens is, um, just like the other day, I'm not sure if you saw my tweet. I made a tweet about sex trafficking, actually, and um, it uh, it went nationally viral. Um, it reached it had about half a million likes on Twitter and it reached 18 million people when I looked at my Twitter um, analytics and looking at that and the celebrities that were posting et cetera, it was not national news and that should have been national news. 39 missing children were found here in Georgia and 29 missing, 25 missing children were found in Ohio. And so I, I went back and I told people, I'm like, this is what I mean by when they tell you something is important on the media it's usually not they're pushing a narrative and they're trying to play on your emotions etc because once you start looking at the numbers for what police are doing police are doing their jobs um police are again um the i, I asked the question you know how many uh, unarmed people were killed by police or especially black people and they and i give them a number and they say four and i say 14 and um that was last year and i told them i said well pair that with seven million arrests 
Um, if 14 of my planes go down and I flew out 7 million planes that year, I consider that a successful year of flying because 99.99% of my planes um, have successful flights. So if, if people don't never ever give the numbers because it makes the police look like they're perfect. It makes the police look like they're doing their jobs. Um, so anytime somebody says, oh, look at all these black people being killed by the police, or look at all these people being wrong, I'm like, well, give me the number because if you give the number, it makes the police look like they're doing their jobs. And they are um, doing and their jobs. And that's why they won't give the numbers. The the truth is, we are a segment of the United States population. And mm-hmm. while everybody does their best to get the most qualified, the best equipped, the best trained, everything else, you're going to have a few people who are going to overreact, not react properly, and some are just plain bad. But 99.9% of all of American law enforcement are men and women doing their job, trying to serve and protect. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're speaking with King Randall. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today radio show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. We have a new podcast. It's called True Crime Fighters Podcast. Yes, it's another true crime podcast, but a little bit different. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very little is told of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens, we tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters Podcast. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters Podcast, subscribe today, or check us out on Facebook. Do a search for True Crime Fighters. Back to our conversation with King Randall calling us from Albany, Georgia area. Uh, he is a son of a police officer, a career police detective, I should say, who's been on First 48. And he also has a great organization called The X for Boys. Check him out online, thexforboys.org. King, before we went to break, we're talking about community you live in and how the news media affects what they say should be important. And the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, when I graduated from the academy, I didn't have a choice of where I went. I was sent to where the need was the greatest, like most police. And I, I wanted to go into a part of Baltimore that was primarily African-American. I, and that's that's all I knew in policing. Uh, and my entire career was spent in areas like that. And I remember vividly that it was very rare, but on rare occasions, especially in the spring or summer, uh, we'd have slow time. You'd be able to talk with some of the kids on your post, get to know them. They get to know you, and we, we worked the same area every day. It was responsible for the same area. People got to know me by name. They invited you into your yard for cookouts. They gave me nicknames, everything else, and you could tell who's a bad guy, who's a good guy, and vice versa, and some of these young young boys I met when they were 10, 11, 12, I was there when they were shot and killed taking their last breath at 15 and 16 because... Mm-hmm. Quite often, it's because they shorted the dope man who fronted them dope, and they didn't get the numbers right one too many times. And the, the solution to that was to kill them on the street. And I've heard so many politicians, I've heard so many activists, I've heard so many people talk about this, that, and the other thing, and I think to myself, not one of those people was ever on scene when these youngsters were dying and we're there trying to comfort them. And we were the right. last faces they saw. 
Mm-hmm. And it's kind of heartbreaking to, let's take out of the equation, the loss of a life. It's heartbreaking that no matter what you do to try to be a positive influence on community is discarded, discredited, and uh, it's you become the subject of, of an agenda by the media for political reasons or whatever. Right, absolutely. And uh, in, in my community in particular, I'm looking at, you know, today, today we have our 12th murder um, here where we live, and that's very high um, considering how many people live in our city. And um, our our highest year, on one year, we had about 22 murders in our city. That was our highest year. But the track that we're going on now, we're at number 12 already, is not looking good at all. I think a uh, majority of those happened last month, actually. A lot of those murders happened last month, all in one month. Um, but looking at where we are in our city, a lot of people will say, well, the media, um, the news is not showing us um, these things. But when I look at our local news, our local news puts out what happens in our city every time. And I go and look in our different groups on Facebook, et cetera, um, for our city. And people will just, you know, scroll right past it. You know, they're so desensitized to it. But the moment, you know, anything pops up with law enforcement, you know, it, it, it triggers everybody. I'm like, but we have issues where we're living. And then not to mention, we never like to say that the perpetrator could have been wrong in their interaction with the police or anything. It's like every time. It has something to do with law enforcement. The law enforcement officers are always wrong. And they'll say things like, oh, we don't want the facts because um, they're going to try to make it seem like that he was wrong, but they shouldn't have shot him or they shouldn't have killed him. When in majority of the time, every time police pull the trigger is usually justified. You have some instances where it wasn't justified, but majority of the time, even if you're unarmed, that doesn't mean that you can't be, be shot. You know, so and people weren't also understanding. They were like, "Well, they shot so many times." I'm like, "You have to shoot until a threat is neutralized." You learned that in self-defense. So I posted this video of a police officer um, with a guy. He had a knife, and he kept backing up. He kept saying, "Sir, don't you know? Don't you know? Advance forward with a knife." He kept backing up. They backed up for a while. He kept saying, "Sir, please drop the knife." And so he charged at him with the knife, and he shot him like five times. The officer shot him, shot him like five times. And so the other officers were on the scene, and the guy got back up, and he went and stabbed the officer um, um, with, the, with the knife. And if the other officer weren't, wasn't there, he was going for his throat, and he shot him in the head. The other officer did. But I was showing them that because I'm just like, regardless of you may feel like that was too many shots, at sir, I'm just like, they have to shoot until a threat is neutralized. That's what you're taught. Um, and I'm, and I, like I was telling them, protocol and procedure is important, not just what I feel like. And procedure says that anytime somebody comes up with a rule is because um, something may have happened before. So exactly. I'm sure that may have been a rule one day where police, you know, weren't supposed to shoot so many times, but after police may have been attacked, you know, after, you know, shooting maybe once or twice, then they say, well, we may need to shoot a few more times, you know, um, to neutralize the threat. Um, so I have to get people to understand, you know, there's procedure and protocol too, regardless of our feelings. You know, there are facts and there are also things called numbers and math doesn't lie. And so I'm putting out the numbers for what's going on in our community. And people are like, oh, well, you know, but we need to focus on police brutality. I'm just like, listen, I'm just like, that is not the main issue. And if you look at the people who are coming into contact with these police, they they are, you know, being negligent. They're, they're being uh, disobedient and, and uh, belligerent. And I just want people to understand that there is a way to interact with police. Like every time I tell people about um, teaching my boys how to interact with cops, they're like, well, you, can, you don't have to teach them that because the police don't shoot them anyway. 
anyway. I'm just like, no, they're not. I'm like, what? I said, what's the likelihood of that happening? And that's just like you telling me not to wear my seatbelt, you know, because it may kill me. Um, I'm going to die anyway. I'm like, no, I'm just going to put my seatbelt on for just in case, you know, um, the seatbelt may save me. Um, but you're talking about, you know, these people recording themselves, being belligerent to police. This is every day. Like, people are with the cops. And then so the moment, you know, something happens, then, oh, you know, everything's wrong, defund the police, abolish the police. It's, it's absolute nonsense. And people just allow, you know, the media and uh, uh, Facebook and social media to dictate how they feel about everything. And none of them have had a bad experience with police themselves. Like, That's the thing. I used to be... That's the ahead. thing that, that people get an emotional reaction to what they see online and social media, even though mm -hmm. they've never had a bad experience ever in their life. But they've heard from someone else who knew someone else who did, and therefore it's gospel. Right, absolutely. And I try to get people to understand, like, I was one of those people, you know, that that didn't really just look at everything that I was talking about. So I started thinking to myself, and I was like, wait, I was like, well, I didn't really never had a bad experience with the police. And every time I did get pulled over or something, it was because I was doing something. And every time I literally had an interaction with cops, it was because I was doing something like speeding or, you know, something like that. But every time I get pulled over, it's the same protocol. I teach, I taught the boys even this summer. You know, every experience we had with cops, all of them were white or good. And um, that was just because how we conducted ourselves, you know, even if even when I got pulled over by a state trooper, state troopers never give warnings, but they gave me a warning this this time because he asked why I had so many guys in my car, and I was, I told him what I did and you know what they were there for. Um, but he gave he gave us a warning. But I was just like everybody had their hands on their laps. You know, I put my hands on the steering wheel. I have a, a weapon as well, so. Um, if I have time, I always unload my weapon and um, and show that it's clear and sit it on the dashboard before the officer even gets to the vehicle. Um, so that way um, they feel safe. It's for both of our safety, you know, and I even ask would they like to, you know, hold it until the end of the traffic stop. And usually they say no, but it just gives a reassurance, you know, for them, you know, that nothing's going to happen, you know, and my hands stay glued to the steering wheel. I have my license and registration already out. If it's nighttime, I turn the light on in the car. You know, it's just a little stuff that you can do to, to make things go smoother. Give them your license. Don't be asking all these questions, etc. Go fight it in court if you feel like you were wrong. But yeah, there's a lot absolutely. of things you can do. I had that talk too. I uh, was giving that talk when I started driving. Uh, of course, I grew up in a, in a Navy family and I was told about how to conduct myself if I got stopped, especially on base. Uh, and the, the protocols you take because it was different in military installations than it was in the civilian world. But even civilian world, I was taught as part of driving a car, this is how you behave. This is how you handle yourself. And this is how you prevent things from getting out of control. We're talking with King Randall. He is a son of a law enforcement homicide detective in DeKalb County, Georgia. He's also got a great organization called the X for Boys. We'll talk more about that when we return. One of the questions I get all the time is how can I show my support for law enforcement with Facebook? When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, Share it to your page. It's just that simple. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement, our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Don't miss the huge Back to Blue and First Responders Parade and Rally in beautiful Key West, Florida, Friday, January 8th, 2021. 
active and retired law enforcement officers and other first responders from all over the U.S. and the world, bagpipers and more, will all be at the great Back to Blue and First Responders Parade and Rally in Key West, Florida, Friday, January 2021. Get more details on the Facebook group Back to Blue and First Responders. That's Back to Blue and First Responders group on Facebook. And get more details here on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversator, King Randall, on the Law Enforcement Today Show. King is the son of a homicide detective from DeKalb, County, Georgia, and uh, he is his father's been on First Forty Eight uh, a couple times. He's got a great organization called the X for Boys, basically working uh, to be positive male influences and mentor young boys, turn them into men. We'll talk more about that in a moment. One of the things before we went to break, you were speaking a lot about the current climate, the the current anti police climate. I have my opinions. Uh, people, you have yours, other people have theirs. And the truth is they seem to be very polarizing. They're either the cops are all good or the cops are all bad. And it's like, no, there's very little conversation in between. And one of the things you hit on that's really important is, and I always say this, the news always starts the headline with the last part of the incident, cop shoots man. They don't talk about all the choices the guy made beforehand. They don't talk about uh, what he did. And quite often, that's buried in the article that justifies what the police did, but people don't even see it. They just go by the headline. One of the things you said in particular, being an unarmed man being shot, my career was ended by an unarmed man driving a stolen vehicle with lots of crack cocaine who tried to shoot me with my own service weapon while I was in my hand as a revolver back in the day. And Mm -hmm. the fight over the gun and discharging the gun, I I thought I sprained my wrist, King, and it turned out I needed multiple surgeries, multiple steel plates, and was retired at 33. At that moment, I tell people, at that moment, when I realized this guy was trying to kill me, my first thought was, I'm going to die, but it's not going to be tonight, and it won't be because of you. And I was prepared to do whatever it took, including killing that man if I needed to, to survive. Fortunately, that's not what occurred. We both survived. Right. Unarmed doesn't mean not dangerous or life-threatening. So many police in the United States are killed with their own weapon. So many. And the, the other thing was, that it doesn't matter how big or bad or strong you are, if the guy gets you on the button on your chin, you're out. And when you're out, you've got, you can't defend yourself. And right. so it's not always about size. And no matter how big you are, how strong you are, how tough you are, there's always someone crazier or luckier that's going to get the, the one shot on you. So uh, that's enough of my rant there about that. I survived. He survived. And I don't even remember the guy's name, and I'm happy about that. And, and the interesting thing is I've told people before, I said, go ask any of your local policemen how many interactions they've had with people who have had weapons, and they didn't shoot them. And, um, and I was telling them because people always have this this new thing where they're like, oh, it doesn't happen to white people. So the other day I posted a full uh, blown report of every white unarmed person that was shot by police. However, they were all you know doing something to the right. police as as well as us. But they were like they come in, they were saying, well, these people were attacking police. They deserve to be shot. 
And I said, well, are we not watching the same videos of us doing the same exact thing? Like, we'll try to pretend like we didn't see them fighting the cops or we didn't see them tase the cops or we didn't see them punching the cops and throwing the cops everywhere. We didn't see them reaching. I'm like, I'm like, you have to be real and, and stop being emotional. I understand what the media is trying to do to you, but we're watching the same videos. And some of these people are being super negligent and the shootings have been justified. You know, but some of them are not justified, absolutely, but majority of them are always justified. But, of course, the media will try to spin it, you know, and turn it all around and make it seem like they were an angel and they never did anything. And the police are just out riding down the road like, oh, there's a black person. Let's go shoot him. Like, yeah. that's, that's what they have it seeming like the police are doing right now. And it's absolute nonsense. It's absolutely not true. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. But how do we, as a society, get beyond that? What? Obviously, you're doing certain things. You've got a platform you made for yourself, which, by the way, kudos to you for doing that. It was no easy task. So you're countering a lot of what you hear with facts. What do we in society do to say, all right, let's all chill out a moment and let's take a look at things factually instead of emotionally? Um. Well, <laughs> I would love, uh, in a perfect world, that would, that would be a great conversation to have, but Looking at the people that do try to have those conversations and how they're talked about and, and, and called all types of names, like if I bring up one moment for one moment, uh, like the other day, um, I talked about the Rayshard Brooks shooting and how he tased the police um, and things like that. And um, the police finally shot him uh, after he shot the taser a second time. And they were like, well, he probably had PTSD from all these other cop killings and everything. Like, it's just like people were just bringing up like so many other things further from actual facts. It's like they only want confirmation and, and no, they don't want to learn anything. It's just only what they believe and if their, their narrative. And if anybody black says anything against, you know, that, then, oh, we're called all different types of names by my own people. And like I told them before, I've had, you know, many uh, disagreements with white people, but I've never been called the N-word, never been called, you know, any crazy names or anything like that. We just disagree and move on. But from my own people, I get death threats and uh, hate mail and everything, you know, just for saying, you know, I feel like we need to teach our children, you know, how to interact with the police different. Like, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, so that, again, that just goes to show, you know, uh, what we pay attention to. So I, I mean, I would love to have that conversation, you know, amongst us, but we don't really want actual facts because, again, when you bring up 7 million arrests and then 14 out of 7 million people, you know, were killed during a police interaction and most of those were justified, I mean, they, they, they have no argument. You know, that makes police brutality really look like a myth. Again, nobody actually talks about numbers like these numbers that I'm giving you. There are no on no national media outlets or anything because they do not want you to look at the facts. They just want you emotional so they can keep you watching their news and they can keep getting paid from uh, their sponsors. Yeah, well, there was a, a, a famous radio person, and I, honestly, I can't remember who he was. And he said, there are two types of listeners. He said, there are people who love you and people who hate you, people that you make angry. He said, the truth is the people you make angry and get upset will listen to you far longer than those who love you and make you yeah. more money. And that's part of what the news media does. People can't seem to get it through their head. The news media, I'm using it as a blanket term, is not required to tell you the truth. They're not required nope. to give you facts. Their job, whether it be a reporter on a newspaper or television 
or radio is to get you to listen and listen longer so they get more advertisers, more revenue for station, and, and consequently more revenue for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is the absolute truth. And you can honestly tell that's exactly what they try to do. Yeah. And then here's the other thing. One of the things that, that I have started saying to people is they go, well, I read that this happened. I said, okay, do you know the person who wrote it? They said, no. Do you know the person they wrote it about? No. Have you had experience with either the person who wrote it or the person they wrote it about? No. So you are drawing a conclusion and opinion about someone you don't know, you've never met, you weren't there, based solely on the opinion of someone you don't know, you never met, and they weren't there. And they go, mm-hmm. sounds kind of stupid, doesn't it? Right, absolutely. The X for Boys. Tell us about this great organization and, and briefly what you do. All right, so um, this organization basically teaches the skilled trades um, to young men ages 11 to 17. Um, what we're doing is teaching automotive repair um, as well as home improvement, uh, reading literacy, etc. So we have our own book club um, to combat the reading, um, the low reading levels of our boys um, here in Albany, Georgia, as well as teaching uh, automotive repair and home improvement, such as uh, changing light fixtures, painting, um, doing woodwork, um, also uh, doing door frames. And also uh, in the automotive repair, we're doing um, changing oil, changing brakes, um, and just many different things, uh, changing alternators, uh, radiators. We're doing all of those things here in Albany, Georgia. And so we're teaching the boys these things in hopes of getting them in the skill trades and teaching them different um, routes to go and make money so they don't have to go join anyone's gang or um, do anything that they don't want to do or that they shouldn't be doing um, because I'm giving them the opportunity instead of telling them that they shouldn't be doing something but giving them the opportunity to do something um, other than what's in their life right now. So I definitely feel like uh, our program, The X for Boys, is the man-making machine um, here in Albany, Georgia. Uh, our motto is let us make man. So I say that that's my way of interpreting that God is saying that he could use some assistance in making men. So that's me helping God uh, make men. Perfect. And your website is? Um, that's dx4boys.org. So that's T-H-E, the letter X, F-O-R-B-O-Y-S.org. And you're also on social media as well. King Randall, thanks so much for being a guest on Law Enforcement Today's show. we got to have you back again in the future. Very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. we got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Be sure to get yours today. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. Got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.